Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I'm doing what we usually do. I'm having candid, curious conversations on arts and culture with probably somebody you know. And uh, today I'm pleased to be in conversation with a touring performance DJ and mentor. He's been touring North America for the past 10 years and uh, has recently expanded in the European market. Please welcome Sean Smallwood. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob, how's it going? <sighs> I'm 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 doing all right. It's it's kind of like that point where we're recording this. I'm like, let me just get to the finish line. Let's just get to the finish line. And the finish line from your boy is going to be birthday time in New Orleans. I'm really looking forward to that. That can actually let, well, let my hair down. Uh, you you have a nice amount of follicle. I I do not. Uh, I had this, but that's about it. But um, yeah. Thank you for 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 coming onto the podcast. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, January twentieth. Oh, well, that's what's up. My birthday, January 14th. We're actually not too far apart. Yeah, we're in the same zone. You're, you're a calf. I'm, I'm a cusp. So we're, we're here. I'm, I, I lean Aquarius. As I, you know, I had this conversation okay. with um, with D. Watkins. He was like, oh, you chose Aquarius. I was like, I did. I did, just so y'all know. But I have a little Capricorn pettiness there. That's very funny. <laughs> um, I think we froze. Yeah, it's oh, it's always something with, um, yeah. which, which is the reason uh, Riverside is coming soon for me. But, um, but to kick things off... Okay. Um, I want to go into this sort of like introduction. Uh, you know, people usually do the tell me who you are, tell me what you're about or tell me about yourself. And sometimes that throws people off. But um, give us give us the the introductory story. What's the, the, the Sean Smallwood story? Where'd you grow up? And, you know, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Influences of the DJ, things of that nature. Uh, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I've yeah. grown up here my entire life. Um I grew up listening to Frank Ski and Reggie Reg, uh, the radio DJs of this area. Um, you know, uh, and I also grew up like DJ Booby was his mixtapes were also really, really popular in those days. And they were you bought those on cassette and you would just go get them from like where he played basketball at. And that kind of, you know, was the soundtrack of most of our lives. I think uh, when we were kids uh, coming up that then transitioned to television and the music video and like CDs, you know, that I didn't go to too many parties. Uh, one of my partners though, that he's, uh, he's been DJing since we were all like teenagers, um, the, uh, DJ JG and like, even like those like events, like I never really like went to those. It was just, there weren't, there weren't really that many parties. Like you could go to, there was a place called Twilight, which was like a kitty like nightclub uh, in Lansdowne, which uh, was like under 18 only or something like that, like 15 to 18. Like you couldn't be like older than 18 to go there. Um, the Paradox would have like high school night. Uh, and if they were like Easter Kitty discos, but there weren't really like that many parties for younger people like in those times. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I became an adult, uh, I started to go to uh, the tax low parties that were around here um, yeah. that were uh, hosted by Colin Stalin. They were at like Sonar and like the Auto Bar. Uh, and like the talking head, um, like the talking head's like no, not even around anymore. Yeah. But you know they would book like all kinds of acts. You know, like uh, like there's a like there's a musical act of justice or justice, uh, as the French recently taught me it was actually pronounced. And like you'd go, you, you'd go see justice play there. You'd go see death from above. You could also go see like Scotty B DJ, nice. you know, all in this little building. And that was also part of the. You know that 20s to you know like my, my 20s essentially no there was also um there was a, a dj here named chris devlin chris devlin used to dj for uh spank rock who mm -hmm. was a rapper from sandtown and chris used to play at the auto bar uh he played a bunch he played a bunch of places but he would play at the auto bar on wednesdays 
and we would go all the time because it was Tuesdays and it was ladies all you could drink for ten dollars. So we would just always go round up girls to take to the bar <laughs> and just buy them their drinks because yeah. that means that we could drink for free too. Because we'd be like, okay, you know, like if you like, we, we're, we're going to bring like we'll bring like twenty girls in there. Yeah, and just like just go, well, here, like take two hundred bucks. All you, everybody go gets a cup, and we just go sit in there and get trashed. That's and, you know, that's the thing one would do. <laughs> yeah, no, and so we we would. It was just I don't know, but then I, I I watched Chris and I watched Spank Rock like grow. I watched them go from playing you know at the Talking Head to playing Coachella, mm. and that then left a void though in like places to go out, things to do. And in my early thirties, I kind of picked up the ball in late twenties of, of sorts of trying to be that party again. Um, you know, when those DJs move on and they go on to do bigger things, they you know they just don't play these places anymore. So, you know, but people still, I think, need to have that kind of experience. It still, I think, is uh, pertinent. It was also really influential because when I used to go to these parties, I would hear them play music and I would sometimes make my way to the DJ booth or area and I would watch them play and it would usually just be one record. Yeah. And I used to think that they were DJing and not that they weren't, but I used to think the DJing was like something different. Yeah. I realized, oh, you can just play a you can just play a song, you know, and it might be a song that someone else made. And I realized I was like, you know, it was it was almost like a like a light switch that went off almost because I was like, well, you can play two records thing at one time. But it's also about playing, you know, sometimes the really the, the best record, and maybe at that one time. That makes sense. So, but uh, all those rooms also were very, not even diverse because Baltimore's never really been a truly diverse place. Yeah, but. In terms of the diversity which you had to encounter and deal with, it was having to make like Easy Jackson and uh, who's another example that you, I don't know, like I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever seen Outcalls but the band play? The brand yes. Chance? Yeah. Okay, so that's your room though. Yeah. And then multiply that. That's a microsm of the macrosm. So multiply those two those two sets of people times the entire room. And you know, like if you and you have to make everyone in that room have a good time. That's always been in my opinion, Baltimore, like musically at its core, right. you can make those two sets of people, you know, unite in because we just recently got like kind of Latin people and like Arabic people yeah. and more of an Asian population that goes beyond like Hopkins, essentially. <laughs> it's like, how do you have that that sort of crossover that reflects who's there, who's within uh, a certain audience? And I, I go back to like the first episode, I mean, you, you you may have listened to the first episode. First episode I had was a DJ because I, I always have a certain like, how do y'all maintain? How do y'all do these things? I, like, hey, party start. Let's make it happen. Like, how, how does this happen? So it's always been of, of interest. So so that's a consideration for you. It is. It is for me. Uh, you know, it's it's because it was I don't know. It was almost like just like the veil of entertainment being lifted, kind of uh, like I remember as a kid, I used to think that like Whitney Houston was so talented. Yeah. She would go on TV and she would belt out those jams. But as I became an, an entertainer, I realized that was just another day at work. Yeah. That was something which she did 300 and 300 days out of the year, you know, maybe 275. Yeah. So another day is just another day for her. It's not really that big of a deal. So let, let's let's go. Let's let's talk about um like, you know, experiences. I like to have a, a sense of. And, you know, you were, you were talking before we got started, um, you know, some of the roots of podcasting or what have you. And on occasion, I'll think about maybe my first podcast is always top of mind. So 
if you could tell me about your first experience um, DJing, like what was your first one? What was your most recent one? And like, how how does it feel comparatively? Like when you think back on that, that that, that first one, you think about that most recent one, like, man, I, I could have did this different than the first one, or I can't believe I played that. And you think about the most recent one, it's like, yo, I crushed it. So, so tell me about that. So the... I guess there's there's arguably maybe like two times. So the first time I ever played was for there was a is a, a Kora player here. A Kora is a an African like harp mm-hmm. uh named Amadou Kuyate. Uh Amadou's awesome. He's been he's a bunch of bands around here. But I was like goofing around with DJing in the house and I had some house speakers and somebody was like, Yo, you should play Amadou's birthday party. And I was like, Okay, whatever, sure. And I took the speakers over there and I had like an entire like my, my entire computer in there and I had like the set the speaker set up and you know, and I played out of what people you call they use it's called tractor now i don't think it was called tractor back then though and it was always just being people were just always supportive of me like eating and playing music uh and then the first time i played out like on turntables was uh at a place called the phoenix which is used to be on like biddle street or preston it was it was at like the mount vernish kind of area but um you know i just asked to play nobody came and you know that was kind of it and that was how it was you know that was how kind of not all most of the shows were starting out. Even some of the shows now, nobody comes to. But uh, and the last show I played was was this December? Did I play in November? Not really. Uh, well, it's technically that's not true. I did play um, in Brooklyn, but the last show show I really played was in Miami uh, mm-hmm. at the end of October, and that was uh, a return to form of sorts. Um, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it was a, it was the it was the First time I've gotten to play this year, where it was, I, don't, I I played earlier this year, and there were a few good shows. Uh, like I played in LA, and but like no, Miami was it was awesome. It was the people responded. I think it, it, it's also I play a very, I guess you know not aggressive, but just it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a more band you know type of format. It's more yeah. like some watching a band play music, like not watching someone DJ. So I think that's also a factor in terms of like why people you know were reactive. Um, you know, I don't know. I like I said, but it was just really positive. I think it was also. I think there there was just moments there. It was a big festival happening as well. Yeah. So this was like it was like a satellite moment. But Miami is a very exciting place, though. So I I've been, I've come to enjoy uh, performing there, and it's taught me a lot about the like the program and how you can provide people with a show and and what kind of show you're going to you know offer to people as well. So that that naturally it segues me into it's almost as if I have this structured actually as, as if I have some some type of plan here, but. uh Tell me about your philosophy when it comes to performing and like at the end of the day, if there was a, a takeaway, if someone comes to see you play, what what do you hope they take away from it? That either you are inspired by what you saw or and it made you want to do it, too, mm-hmm. or it made you not want to like. It, you you realize that you were like oh, I'm doing it wrong you know like it but it it just it, it but it makes you it makes you think makes you you know it makes you it makes you want to do it I think that's the most important thing about it all like that when I play it should make someone else want to play that's the, that's always what I'm trying to go for I think at least that's what's happened anyway like when I play people are like like I since I've started playing people have been like can you show me how to do this and I'm yeah. like yeah sure I don't because it was given to me the this, the equipment I had was given to me by some friends and. I've tried to always utilize that as like a springboard of sorts to make sure other people, you know, learned it. And, and as as I like to joke or not joke, but like, you know, Wu-Tang is for everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
the ability to make people feel good to make yourself feel good you know that's something which i think all people should have and i think that's also a really core tenet of like what i try to teach people uh or when i try to when i play music that's what i try to like lead people and also a little bit of confidence as well uh i realized come to realize that a lot of this has been less about playing music because that's kind of an easy task you know all of us getting cars we can all press play on the cd player you know that's easy yeah. but standing up in front of strangers and guiding them that's not always a simple task so if i can help someone be a little bit more confident in their efforts then i think i've done the job no, that's, that's great and um and I and I see that as well. Like when you're kind of changing what one is doing. Like I have the uh, the glass uh, wall of uh, of uh, protection here from being in front of another person, what have you. But in in going out and and doing more of these sort of public moderated speeches and and talks and things of that nature, it's you know I I, I go back to one that I've done recently where. I tried to do a shortcut and kind of interview myself. That was the only way I was going to get through it. And then I'm being asked questions, the Q&A, that was almost half the time. And really having people kind of go on this journey and like directing them through whatever I'm talking about. And I don't know if I'm interested or not, but really trying to direct it to, this is what I posit. This is what I think is the theme here. And if you guys rock with me and indulge me, this is, this is where we're going with it. And you know, people connecting with it and getting reactions. I had one person come up to me crying and I was like, I was like, what, what did I do? I was like, oh, this, this, this kind of jog, this, this feeling loose based in a, a talk that I had. And I think being in that, that sort of spot and, and being in front of people, whether it's performing, whether it's um, just, just doing a talk, I think there's always an element of, of performance and, and play there. But when you're in front of people, they're like, we're, we're lagging. They're, 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 they're almost, I think when you're in front of people, they're almost at your mercy in, in some in some regard or what have you. So there's a certain degree of trust there. And you want to put on something that's 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 good, something that thought is put into. No, wholeheartedly. I, I, I would definitely agree with that uh, notion. That's 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 the decision that DJs have to make within arguably 180 seconds. <laughs> And and also one of the things that you you were touching on there of you know almost kind of like giving the game out in the sense of I'm kind of the same way if someone comes to me like how do I get into podcasting and I've never said no I've always said like yeah this is how I go about it and that speaks to the mentoring background that you had in the in the introduction that I mentioned so tell us a little bit about that um I, you know I've just I've been very fortunate that in the arts and in creativity, I've always worked with other people or worked with people who were maybe a bit more experienced or, you know, and they were always really positive and, you know, really reassuring. Um, I used to be in a band and I joined the band and there was, there was some, you know, there were, it was interesting playing music with people who have been playing music for 10 or 15 years, but they had never really like found any kind of success or arguable, like, they never kind of gotten out of their house with it maybe you know and then you join a band and you don't really have any musical experience but they're still like you know well we want you to play mm -hmm. you know or you meet jazz musicians people who have been playing since they were 13 15 years old and they have found it you know success with it and they're also like yo you should play music <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like oh okay well sure let me give this a shot you know let, let's, let's see how this all goes um and yeah i don't know I, i've just always tried to just kind of not pay it forward, you know, because I guess there are the cheesy movies with Kevin Spacey's in it or. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know, you know, it's, but, uh, and Haley Joel Osment, I think he's in that movie too. But uh, you want to just try to 
like I say, I don't know. It's 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 for me. It's also I think I've also met a lot of people who are, they're also like people tell me no when I ask them for help, you know, or they, you know, if I or or they they you know I don't know. You don't find an answer because people for whatever reason they may be afraid that you'll become better than them or these types of things. And uh, I'm a really big fan of racing, uh, mm. and in racing, especially like you know NASCAR racing uh, or GT racing, like you kind of all have the same car. Mm-hmm. You know, it really comes down to how well can you drive the car, yeah. you know, around that circle, you know, or around that track. We can, and we all have the same records. We all have the same equipment, you know, but it's about the individual things which make you, you know, you, the moment, the cho- the choices that you make in those 190 mm-hmm. seconds, 180 seconds. Yeah. So that's why I've, I've never had a problem with showing things to people, but I don't know. I also get a lot of enjo- like personal enjoyment out of it too. So that's, I think that's also what I'm always trying to also share with people as well. Like playing music is one of the better drugs I've ever come across. I I, I relate with uh, a lot of that. And I'll say that um, one of the things that I, I use, I'll look at it was someone's like, yeah, how do I get into podcasting? And I was like, that's what I do. It's my lane. I'll be touching it. No, no, but it's really like, you know, and, and, I, and I mean, this is some tongue in cheek there, but I do mean this, that there is a lot that's out there. And there's so much miscommunication again, as we were touching on earlier, and it's, it's this new investment that this is a stream or this is part of someone's marketing mix. But I think, you know, if there's a person that's doing it, and I love that NASCAR kind of comparison there, it's just like, it's, you know, I have this question of how do you embrace your strangeness, those unique qualities that make you, you, and that's reflected in your work, whatever it is, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a painting. And, you know, me being a 37 year old black man that likes Japanese wrestling, th- those things pop up in in my conversations. I was like, man, I'm marking out. It's like, that's a wrestling term. I was like, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's right not, but uh, wrestling is a really big, important, I guess, element of it all, too, because uh, I'm a part of the the attitude era of sports entertainment in terms of watching the WWE grow to the behemoth it is today and understanding the story driven element of it all uh and i've always felt as though that that was that was a necessary part of your nightlife and your show business like you know i'm like no like what vince mcmahon has figured out how to do twice a week for free on tv on cable i'm like no this is a genius program you know i mean like if you look at like the circuit because it it all went back to touring like for me like like, because he learned it from the circus and then the wwf or wwe what they became they you know they're they're like the best touring. They're like one of the only touring shows that's like left, like from the old times. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, like the circus is gone. Cirque du Soleil changes, you know, kind of you know rapidly all the time. Like you know, but wrestling kind of hasn't really changed. It's just kind of grown. Um, you know, it's added more, more demographics, added women, it's added you know places that wrestling never been before, like the Middle East, and you know, I guess I guess there's always in you know, Europe, but it's it's just different now. You know, like they've grown it so much. You know, to it's it's gone from like the Baltimore Arena to you know Wembley, so. Yeah. You know, no, I I'm, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of I, I'm, I, wrestling. Is always something which I've always tried to like let people know was always a really big influence on what was going on. Because I'm like, no, like I, I've been watching wrestling for the last forty years. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's a it's I've I've always enjoyed it as a business model. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think it that's it's a really interesting business model because it's it's time it's tested it's been around as you touched on the whole uh circus the whole carnival thing um at its worst people say it's carny you know and you're like ah people aren't getting paid this isn't going well well and at its best it you know turns into almost this uber sanitized sort of corporate thing where I think it leads to other opportunities and concessions are made that may impact, you know, certain certain fans and how they view the product. But really, in terms of the health of a business, 
It's like, oh, now we're in the, you know, we have children's cereal and ice cream and, and movies and things of that nature. And it shifts from something that has these roots in this sort of carnival, this sort of, um, you know, strong man, bearded lady sort of thing to um, a multinational entertainment conglomerate. There's no other entertainment field, I think, outside of maybe baseball, which has given us more politicians. Um, so I want to I want to talk about um, just kind of the, the the demographics in terms of like, you know, the the travel. So in in having um, experience in you know last 10, 10 plus years or what have you being in, you know, North America, then, you know, getting into Europe or what have you. Tell us about how those markets compare in terms of like maybe how a show goes or maybe some of the things that you're looking for in booking shows and things of that nature, like compare and contrast. Cause I, I can't help but think about season three of Atlanta and when they were in Europe, I was like, what is happening here? How is this working? So, so tell me about that. Yes. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I caught some of those episodes and I was like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm on this. We on the same track. Um, and it was, uh, it was really, really fascinating. Uh, but so I went over there and I've been I've been producing records and like working with not talking with DJs over there um, and trying to help them to get them to understand because a lot of them, a lot of people that I meet, period, are not aware or they just don't know how you can be an artist full time, for lack of a better term. You know, they aren't aware <laughs> of how to pick up programs like my one, like, for example, my one uh, colleague in France. Um, he was telling me that you can't DJ past like a certain like time of night in certain parts of like, you know, the region. I'm like, that's, so that's why you have to go to like these larger cities and get to end up moving around differently. And I'm just like the people who they end up having to communicate with and, you know, bounce ideas back and forth off of, and just how I've learned how to operate here, you know, and I'm just now, I'm now trying to apply that in other markets, you know, and like for, uh, you know, going through chambers of commerce, you know, talking to tourism boards, you know, going to, you know, speaking with colleges, you know, like it's, there is a number of, you know, it's not always not just about playing a show and, you know, a venue. It's always not just about, you know, sometimes it's also doing radio sets, you know, DJ things on like streams. Like in Berlin, there's a live stream, which is very, very popular that's held in the bathroom. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, and it's, I mean, it's like, you know, world renowned DJs and everybody, we all go play in the bathroom. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's, it's just, it's a really straight ahead shot, you know, yeah. um, but it, it's a it's such a wide ranging world now, and streaming has also uh, opened all that up as well. You know, and now you can play things, whether you go to the broadcast you know location or whether you can remote in and play in that fashion. But it's also changed a lot in terms of like how that approaches as well. Uh, for a while now, I've had a concept of offering like an artist residency type of program. Um, I've been very fortunate to uh, found uh housing uh during a very tribulation uh, troubling time in my life and uh i was able to focus on being an artist and learning more about how to accomplish these things from a full-time perspective and i was like you know we could do this kind of thing like here in america you know we could save money we don't have to like spend money on hotels anymore most of the time when you go to a hotel you can't you know make noise in them you can't smoke in them or you know there's all these, all these types of parameters so it was like you know okay well if we just build it ourselves then we don't have to worry about any of those kinds of things as I went overseas, I realized, oh, it's not just the home. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Everyone kind of has the same problem. People don't have anywhere to live. They don't have anywhere to work. They don't have anywhere to properly sleep. You know, 
you know, like look at the Bell Foundry. The Bell Foundry was a marvelous place, but the reality is you had to get a tetanus shot to go in there, you know what I mean, and like be a normal human being. Right. You know, I, I've met a number of artists who eat out of dumpsters, you know what I mean? Like we don't have to live in these kinds of fashions. Yeah. And so, you know, that was part of why I went over there. It was less of programming myself. I work with a number of DJs and types of music, uh, rock bands, jazz bands, R&B singers, rappers. And, you know, it's also about trying to understand how do we as Americans go there? Because I don't know anyone personally who can tell me that answer. So that's right. why I had to get on a plane and, like, go answer it myself. I like that. I, I, I like when there's a degree of, like, curiosity and kind of this this need, this sort of, like, lack that's there. And you hear all the time that, you know, people are thinking outside of the box in these different places. And this idea of, like, well, I'm going to figure this out myself. I'm going to see how they're doing it here. And I do that on occasion as well when, you know, I do these interviews here and I, I love them. I do a lot of them. But also, I don't want to be, you know, restricted to only doing here because, you know, here it has like in Baltimore, it has its, its different things. It's, I'm sure you well know from your vantage point. And it's like, all right, this is still here. This is still a big piece of it. But how do I maybe have conversations with people outside of here to maybe transcribe that and, and Rosetta Stone that situation is something that's applicable here. And whether it's going somewhere close like Philly or going somewhere further away like Southern California, it's still just at the forefront of even going international to kind of get an idea because every place has art, every place has people have interesting perspectives and conversations. But it all starts off with, I think, this idea of like curiosity. And that's, you know, connected to maybe a lack or not finding the thing, but knowing it exists. That's the thing that gets me. So I like hearing when people have like something weird or, or, or goofy that happens in their their process, like when they're working. Um, I know there's been many a times where I have an interview and I'm like, oh, this is going well. And I'm like, oh, I didn't hit the record button. So that's not great. Tell me about like a time that you've had like recently that you've had either something funny, odd, weird that's happened in the whole um, either performance piece, the either the process or the production piece. But tell me about that. Uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's not, it's not, it's not a very um. There's not a lot of room for error, and there's not a lot of room for uh. There's there's a there's a natural comedy which kind of comes along, I think, with what we do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I, in terms of like, I don't know, something comical which happened. Um. I mean, I don't know. We were we were on the road last week. Uh, we were coming back from New York, uh, and we caught a flat. And I mean, like this wasn't it wasn't music related, but it was just like that was the funniest thing which has happened to me recently because I I was going to stay in, in New York for the for the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, which I've never seen before. I wanted to see it, uh, yeah. and I was like, you know what? No, I'll get in the car, go for the car ride down the road. We'll see what happens. And we caught the flat, and it was just an adventure, not adventure, but it was just like you know, we we ended up uh, instacarting like a can of fix a flat in like. You know, it took us like an hour to get there, but it was, it's there's a there it's it's I'm I'm telling the story wrong because I haven't quite figured out how to make it comical yet. I guess or it was funny a lot. Of, I don't know. It was funny though because it was just like it was a holiday moment. You know, it was yeah. like you know you're going down, coming down 95, catch a flat tire. Like, but I don't know. Like Showtime wise, honestly, no. It, it, it I guess because I take I don't know. I don't, some people say I take it really seriously, but like yeah, there's not like there it, there's never like a room for like error. Like nothing funny like kind of ever happens because it's like you know there's nothing funny to happen. Like it's, 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 
Yeah, I mean, outside, you know, maybe telling jokes, I mean, yeah. but like, you know, like I, as far as Showtime, like, no, like, I don't know. I take it, I take it kind of seriously. So it's, and it's, like from a, from a technical stance, because I don't know, like it's, it's a lot of it's computer assisted or computer based. So it's very far and few between where like something can go wrong kind of, or yeah, yeah I don't know. I've, I've had, uh, and, and I think this is where, uh, this is where I'm kind of like leaning into the Capricorn energy. I dig it because you know, people are like, oh yeah, you're like a professional podcaster because I literally just have like a plan. I have what I'm going to do, right. and I and I have it laid out. And it's like I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. Let's make it happen. But on occasion, you know, I I will have one that recently happened because I'm doing this series that is in you know other cities. So I'm in Philly back and forth every couple of weeks, and. Okay. I, I did an interview and the guy was running late, one of the guests. And he was like, yo, bro, I'm going to be there. He said, I had to stop to get a cheesesteak. You need anything. I was like, okay, that's great. I was like, I wouldn't have had this if I wasn't up here. And then he came in and smelled like onions. I was like, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it might've been, it might've been, it might've been the post Miami nonsense because like, so after we played, I was only supposed to play to like 12 mm -hmm. and uh, and my homeboy was like, yo, the, the girl's will come after us. She's not showing up. You know what I mean? Can you like, the asses can we fill in? I was like, whatever. I don't care. I'm drunk. I have a flight in a few hours. <laughs> and so we keep playing and he's like, okay, do you want to go to the festival? And I was like, sure. I don't have a wristband now. He's like, it's fine. I was like, okay. He's like, we'll shut the party down. I was like, okay, cool. So uh, I played the last song and we closed it out and we walked over there and we walk in and we like went through this like sea of people. It was so many people. And when we get inside the room, it was the most magnificent sound system I've ever experienced in my life. It was eight columns of like 5,000 watts of sound arrayed in a circle. Uh, James Murphy from LCD Sound System was playing a six hour vinyl set along with two other guys. It was epic. Wow. wow. But that room was the powder, the air was powder. It was some type of powder. Not sure <laughs> what kind of powder. But some kind of powder. It was very, very dusty, and it was thick. And we were in there, and I went outside, and I was like, "Nope, gotta go outside." And I threw up real, real hard. And I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta go home." But what time is it? I did not know. All I know is that I managed to somehow make it to Fort Lauderdale Airport, no shirt on, back of an Uber. Did not throw up in the Uber. So I was like, "Not giving you any more money, sir." Good night. <laughs> I went to the terminal and went to sleep. And I was like, man, I didn't I didn't land it in Atlanta and I almost went to King of Diamonds. And I was like, this is this is this is it. We we is we is doing it. We is doing it right now. We is doing it. <laughs> I was so trash coming out of there. It, I, it, 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 I went to work on Monday. I went to work on Monday morning and I told my boss, I told my coworkers, a lot of them are like, you know, some of them are like twice as young as me. And I'm like, I don't want to hear y'all not coming to work on Monday. You know, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want y'all to tell me you can't come to work on Monday because you have no idea what I just did. <laughs> you know, clue. right? It's 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 like it's like that Hannibal Buress bit when he was talking about. He's like, man, when you hit your late thirties, man, he's like, you can't. You got to know what you can drink. You got to know what you can do, man. He's like, oh, oh he's like, don't yeah. don't be vomiting. He's like, you got a mortgage, you got responsibilities. He's like, don't don't be vomiting on my shoe, man, because you drank too much. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like every now and then I'll, 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 I'll go there and, I'll, but it's a, it's, it's a boot and rally kind of situation, but I don't know. It's, I tell, I tell a lot of people though, I'm like, you know, people don't know how physically arduous being, you know, at least, I don't know, like we, you know, you move a lot. There's a lot of movement involved. It's yeah. not a sedentary, you know, job. 
No, absolutely. So you do have to have some type of physicality with you. So, you know, like you have to not like be abusing your body like that. So it's like, no, that was, that was a wild time though. Like if, there was no way in God's green earth I should have gotten on that plane. I should not have made it to work the following day. Like there was no way I should have gone to what I like. That was, a, that was the wildest, like that was the wildest weekend I've had this year. I think. Maybe. I mean, people, I, I remember having this, this conversation a little while ago about this, the artist lifestyle and it's it's different. It's different shades. It's different shades. Uh, you know, my version of it is I'm just a workaholic. I'm obsessed with what I do, and I'm sure you know you you pointed it out when we uh, met at per- met in person a couple of weeks back. Uh, saying, oh, do a lot of stuff, and you know, coming up on 500 episodes in just over three years, it's just like. And having the day job, you're like, oh, you're a full time guy. No, I'm not. I'm a crazy person that has two full time gigs. <laughs> um, but this is this is the last real question I got for you. And I think it's in this vein. I think it's a good place for us to kind of take it before we get to those rapid fire questions. Um, OK, what advice would you give from a macro standpoint? Because, you know, you're a goddess about your business. You 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 know a lot. You're, you're a worldly guy. You're a smart dude what advice would you give to aspiring creatives, uh, specifically creatives performing in front of large crowds of people? And I got my ears open as well because more and more I'm in front of people and I can't hide. So what sort of advice would you give to folks when they're performing in front of people? The crowd has no idea what the show is. Mm. And that might be why nothing ever goes wrong uh, with the air quotes. Yes. if something happens on stage, the people watching the program have no idea whether that was supposed to happen, whether that's a mistake, you know, like they have no, so all you have to do is just kind of cover, you know, and, you know, so whether that means telling a joke or, you know, you do a magic trick, something, yeah. but, you know, until you get the technical aspects of it figured out, you know, if that was, if that happened to be the issue, but you try to figure out a way, but it's always important to remember though, you know, that until you tell them, Hey, all something's wrong. They have no clue. Mm. And that's the most important part of the magic trick. I that's... you have to maintain the confidence, like the, the entire time, never break character, you know. Um, and I'm gonna do your taxes, you know. It's important. You know, yes. don't realize that, but you know, it's also <laughs> the no, most that... important. That's the most important like thing that like I figured out. Like this entire trick is like every because every meal that you eat, you know, every every headphone that you buy, every paintbrush that you buy, all those are taxable write-off expenses. You know, do your taxes. Trust, you know, it, it just helps you in the long run when you want to go apply for loans, when you want to, you know, apply for grants, you know, it's your bookkeeping. You know, these are, are things that are a part of being an artist that, you know, while you get so caught up in your fucking doodles, you know, with your finger paints, that's beautiful. But please do your taxes. Yeah, these are these are things that I've heard and the definitely the performance piece. That's something I had to uh, take into account recently where I was doing a. A, a movie interactive night and I had no idea what we were doing. It was just, Rob, we need you here. And I was like, cool. And like I said, I don't really say no to a lot of things, especially if like I know the people. It's like, okay, I've I vetted this at least enough and I get there. I was like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. And he's like, yeah, here's a couple drinks. I was like, uh, I need to keep my wits about me. All right, uh, okay, I think I have a sense. And it was like, yeah, just be funny for the next like two hours. I was like, all right. Here we go. And I just remember my my partner, she was just like, just remember, nobody knows what you're doing is right or wrong. I was like, and she's a theater kid. She was just like, this is what it is. Sometimes it's like, here's a script. It's not like, you know, Shakespeare, he's set for shizzle at any point. But, you know, that's about it. You know, someone's going to scene check you on that. 
So, and, and that's something yeah. which touring has taught me as well. It's like, you know, when you're in front of that crowd of people, they don't know, you know, they don't know who you are. You know, there's no expectation, you know, mm. like they don't expect you to be great. They don't expect you to be bad either. You know, you just have to do your best, you know, and so that's always the most important element. Like when you play in front of the same crowd all the time, they kind of know what's going to happen or yep. they might know what's going to happen. That's why I have to also keep them on their toes. But, you know, if you move around a lot, people you know they, they there's always that like kind of newer newish element people are like wait a minute this is different this isn't yeah. what's normally here and so that that always gives you a little bit more just a little bit more trust believe it or not as being a total stranger yeah. than is if you were something that people knew and then they they kind of know what they what they, or they think they know what they should expect like you know if you go to taylor swift show you go to beyonce show you expect a spectacle you go to some you know random rb girls you never heard before you never know might be fun might be fun might be trash but it only cost you five dollars. I think I'm gonna keep people on their toes in this next batch of the next hundred interviews. I'm just gonna do in a voice and an accent and just see if it works. It's just like here's my British transatlantic accent for the next 100 episodes. Let's just see. People already don't think I'm from Baltimore as it is. So here we go. Uh, so so with that, I, I want to dive into these rapid fire questions real quick. Uh, you know how these go. You already know how to go. So I don't even need to give you the whole thing. Um, I want to start off with this one. Um, what is um, if there was one artist that you had to listen to for the rest of your life, who would it be? Uh, Tchaikovsky. Okay. Three words in three words. Uh, basically, it's finish. Finish this. You can use three different words to describe it. But Baltimore is any three words you have in mind. But Baltimore is finish that sentence. The city that reads. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you that's that's great that's great that's a, that's very 90s uh we're, we're in the same age group so shout out to you um what is uh oh, man, i had that Kurt smoke comic book with spider-man oh my god don't get me started that's thank you that takes me back to lafayette projects days jeez froze again um takes me takes me back takes me back to lafayette project days i'll, I'll say that much just back in east baltimore just yeah. trying to figure it out um Aside from keys, wallet, cell phone, what is something that you always have on you? Uh, uh my my first son's uh, baby sock. Nice, nice. I, I I would say like a certain air of um, elitism. That's what I have on me most of the time. Oh, who are mm. these people? <laughs> no, uh, a colleague actually. He gave me um, this is maybe about fifteen years ago. He gave me a rock, and the rock was uh, a gratitude rock. Whenever yeah. there was a moment in which. I wanted, you know, I felt great, gra I felt gratitude or I felt ungrateful. This was a reminder. Mm. Eventually, I put the rock inside of my child's sock. Nice. And eventually, I threw the rock in the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, one of the two, because I realized the sock was what made me grateful. It was not the rock anymore. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> uh, favorite movie? Pulp Fiction. You get it. That's a good one. It's a really good one. This is the uh, last one I got for you. Last one I got for you. Uh, I am I'm, I'm always interested in like what sort of like rituals, things of that nature that people have in a day. And I'm very much a food guy. I'm a foodie. So what is your favorite thing to eat post performance? I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the victory meal. Uh, performance goes well. A live podcast for me goes well as like, yo, it's time for sushi. Let's go. What is that post performance meal for you? Peace. It honestly depends on what city I'm in. Okay. Uh, because then it's also going to factor in like what's open at four in the morning, three in the morning, you know, DJ hours. Sometimes you get off very late, very late at night. Yeah. Uh, I also try to not eat real wild because like how your kidneys process, like 
in the nighttime you go to sleep you're not i don't know like i've been trying to do like more like like that heavier meal like your larger meal in the middle of the day so it gives your body more time to like digest so like a lot of times after like gigs like most times it's just like water like most of the time like you know uh, i've gotten into paninos lately i don't know if you know what those are but it's like uh smoked meats wrapped around like a cheese basically delicious. like a lunchable type deal <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, but like, you know, I don't know, lighter fares. I've been like, I don't know, like trying to eat lighter, like, especially like late at night, like that. Like, I don't know, but honestly, it does depend on what city you were in. Cause, like, if you're in New York, you know, if you're in Brooklyn, you can mosey on over there to like buy like Bushwick and get like a taco truck type situation mm -hmm. going on. You know, um, there's a couple late night spots like on South Beach, you know, if you find yourself down Miami or you can hit like the grocery store or something like that like I, I spend a lot of time in grocery stores you know I, mean, I cook a lot so yeah. uh, you know I don't it's like post like the post the post show meal um I know, I've been I've, I've done I've been doing like tostados lately uh, yeah. uh like avocado and uh like like a smoked fish or like a raw fish uh like a or ceviches like stuff like that it's phenomenal trying to keep it light no I like it I like it and I think you're you're right it's it's de definitely dependent on where you're at um because I'm doing a little more traveling for the podcast. I'm like, all right, where, where are we going afterwards, bro? And I remember when I did this uh, series in Austin, Texas, and I ended up interviewing one of the guys from this uh, taco chain. And he was like, oh, we got to go to my place, bro. I was like, okay, cool. And we go there and he was like, yo, what are you eating? He's like, it's on me. He's like, whatever you want. And he's like, I got the gold card. And I was like, yeah, I just want like two things. I was like, I don't really have a lot. And it was like 106 degrees. I was like, I can't eat heavy right now, my G. Uh, he's like, you got to have the case. Yeah, I was like, come yeah. on, man. Damn. But yeah, it's um definitely I, I, one of those things. <clears throat> there was a there was some good bars in Austin. We went out there for South by a few years ago. That was a good place. We might be stopping past there next year. Um, that should be pretty cool. Texas had Texas had good tacos. Like that was always the late night move down there because you're so close to Mexico. That was always yeah. a wave. So with that, yeah. um. I think I got everything. So I want to um, thank you. Everything in this sort of like this uh this introductory thing. I always tell people this is not the all inclusive. You know, no, all, no, this the is end good. all interview, but uh, it is definitely, you know, maybe people will check out more more of your stuff and, you know, get some inspiration and all of that good stuff. And and with that, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners where to check you out, um, website, social media, all of that good stuff, everything Sean Smallwood. Oh, man, that's so such a wow. Um, so the, the, actually, I guess the easiest way to so first of all, thank you very much, Rob. This is awesome. and really awesome. Uh, I am a fan. I listen to uh, a number of these podcasts. I'm a huge fan of the movie night that you do thank you. Uh, <laughs> in person. Uh, that was that's always like one of the things I've all I, I saw it during the pandemic. Like, like I always I saw it like happening. And I was like, this is something I would go to. I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. Appreciate like, you showed Meteor Man and like Meteor Man's like, you know, Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. All time favorite movie. Like, you know I mean, like, uh, like my, my my film professor in college uh, was one of the Golden Lords. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, it's like I'm a huge fan of like you know Baltimore and like films and movies and things of that nature. Uh, but um, so no, thank you very much for having me on. I guess if if you can find me on stuff like uh, Xbox Live, uh, it's a uh, Destruction. Uh, it's D E S T R U K and then Sean. And if you wanted to look for me like musically. That kind of replicates on like all stuff. I'm very bad about this whole existence thing because believe it or not, Rob, I've tried to exist as almost like uh like a Neo Paul Bunyan of sorts or John Henry Irons. Like it's supposed <laughs> to be like this urban legend. And I wanted to no, this is like I'm like I, I yeah. tried to like in a in a world where everyone was like, look at my social media. I was like, no, just come listen to me play music. Yeah. Yeah. There are no pictures, there are no videos. There is yeah. no, there is no there, there are no mixes online. And the thing is, it's like, you know, that's the whole point. It's like, think about like, think about what I just said. Like the last 10 years, people have been giving me money to play music. 
around this country, mm-hmm. and there's virtually no. First of all, it's illegal most like to record and put the mix, put the music back on the internet. Like you're really not supposed to be doing any of this type of stuff yeah. from rights and licenses and all these types of things. But then I'm like, no, I'm like that was always the that was always the joke. That was always supposed to be the joke of it. It was supposed to be this myth of an urban legend. So I've I done a really bad job of like curating all these types of things. I'm trying to work on that uh, in this next decade because it seems like people would like for me to continue to play music. So um, we'll be, you know, I'll be, I use my real name on stuff as well. So if you, you know, people can, I guess, Google that you get, there's also a Kenneth Smallwood. He's a white guy. He's like a bird doctor or some shit, but my SEO is pretty good. So if you just look like, you know, there's only one of me, like a handful of us on this planet that that have my name. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. That's that's amazing, and I think it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like this thing that they said in the Get Down that show that got canceled prematurely, and it was like, yo, if you go to a cool Herc show, what have you? He's like, we're not doing no tapes. He's like, you were either there, you experienced it, or you didn't. That's pretty much that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, it's coming from like you know a time in which you know like I don't know like I we didn't have those things in the nineties. You know, you didn't have those things in the early two thousands. Even you know there weren't cell phones proliferating every party. There weren't you know large LED panels. You know, shining brightly in the in the dark of the of the room. Yeah. You know, it was just having a good time. So I've tried to tried to have that ethos continue of sorts. I realize that's an old man philosophy, but you know, whatever. There you go. Well, <laughs> well, I, I'm gonna wrap it up here. Well, for. Uh... Sean Smallwood, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.